Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and with me again are Philip Patton from Engraving Heavenly Truths in the Marshall Church of Christ in Texas and Ryan Manning, my co-worker and minister at the Somerville Church of Christ. And it's good to have them back on the program. We've been talking about far better than a textless life or a life without God's Word. And so what encouragement, guys, can we give to someone that wants to seek the Lord? You know, I think the first part of the encouragement we could give someone wants to seek the Lord, and, and it, whether they want to seek or not, everyone has that void in their life. Right. There's an emptiness that has to be filled with something. Uh, some people will fill those things, as Solomon did, with the, the, the fancies of the world and everything that makes the flesh feel good. Uh, anything that 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 I think gives me enjoyment, but just as in you know Solomon pointed out in Ecclesiastes, trying to do all those things, it's it's pointless, it's empty. That was the vanity, and when he finally figured out that I've got to look to the Lord's will, I've got to serve Him, that that's what man is all about. That's my purpose. Then that void was filled. Uh, we we have that void in us. And everyone has it, that innate desire to worship something. Now, whether we're going to worship ourselves, worship our families, our vehicles, our houses, our bank accounts, or whatever the case may be, those things have to be put aside. And the encouragement that I would try to give someone is, if you want a full life, the life, life is short. You need to mm-hmm. get what you can. If you want a full life, you cannot get any fuller life than the life of knowing your eternity is secure. Right. Ryan, you got anything you want to add to that? I would say the encouragement that I would give to somebody would be to, well, we need to deny ourselves. We need to, uh, as we start seeking the Lord, we need to understand that he doesn't leave room for two people to be driving. Right. We either have to submit to him or we're going to uh, include our own way. And you see so many people doing that. They, they say, well, I would like to do it this way. And they get away from what Scripture says. They get away from what God wants because they're so focused, they're so caught up in their own desires. And they may have even convinced themselves that, oh, well, I'm just doing what God wants the only way we can know what God wants is by following what the Scripture says. It's amazing. You know, I've mentioned before the Dave Ramsey show, you listen to that program and people will call in and they'll say things like, well, I'm, I'm $100,000-something in debt and I just bought a $30,000 car. And he'll sit there and go, why did you do that? You had to know that was foolish, right? You, you, you know, you, you're in debt. And people will say, well, and, and then eventually what I've heard him say a couple of times is, well, your way's not working, is it? So why don't you try a different way? Now, he doesn't care whether you do his plan or not, but what his point is is you've tried it your way now, and you've proven to be ineffective in your way, so why don't you get on another plan and see if that helps you better? And that's essentially what God can say at times is to the Israelites, he would say, okay, we've tried it your way. How'd that work for you? And God would say in in the book of Amos, you know, chapter 4, I have sent so many things and been so patient and you didn't return to me. So you want to try it your way? Fine. Let's see what your way really gets you. The captivity is going to come. And so as far as encouragement that we should give today is, 
you've got to do it. You have to do it. But I would I would point people to Ezra seven ten because this is a really good proof text I think for wanting to be in God's word. And it's Ezra preparing his heart to seek the law of the Lord to do it and teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. So first you prepare your heart, and I think what that really is conveying there is this attitude that. I'm opening up my heart to what this is going to tell me to do. People oftentimes will sit in a sermon with a closed mind, a closed Bible, and a closed heart, and they won't be any more changed than when they walked in. But Ezra said, God, I'm going to prepare my heart to then seek your law, which means whatever your law says, I'm going to prepare my heart to want and to desire and to want to have a part of my life. Then he says, I'm not just going to seek it to hear it, I'm going to do it. And then I will also, after I've applied those things, go and teach other people. So if I want to give encouragement to someone to seek the Lord, that's really what we do. We seek his word. For instance, we mentioned just a few moments ago, I mentioned the Dave Ramsey show. Oftentimes he will give books away to people of the total money makeover and things of that nature. Why is he doing that? Well, I want to give you my plan and see if that helps you. I'll give it to you. God said, I'll give you my plan, and I'll give it freely. I want you to have the plan. I want you to succeed. But you got to crack open a book, and you got to get reading. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed. And if someone sends you a book that's supposed to help you, and you never open it, it's not going to work, and it's not going to do you any good. And you mentioned in the last episode, Ryan, it's like a paperweight when we leave the Word of God on our coffee tables. So we've got someone, let's say, that, dis- that determines that they're ready to seek the Lord. But they ask that very important question, and I think all three of us have been asked this at one point or another in our ministry. How can I study properly? What advice would you give them? My first advice would be just open it. Right. You know, uh, again, we've been talking about the the concept of, of having a Bible and not putting it to use. Uh, if you have a willingness to, to at least open it, that's the place to start. Um now, I understand some people have the concept that they can't understand what is written there. And if you approach it with that mindset, then that's absolutely what's going to happen. Right. Uh, if you don't, again, prepare your heart, prepare your mind to be able to accept what's there, if you have the mindset, I can't understand that, so what's the purpose? You're not going to understand it. Right. Because you've already determined that's going to be your outcome. Right. If your outcome is, I need to learn this, I want to learn this, I want to diligently seek what what God wants for my life, then when you open the pages of that book, then it's going to hit you different because you've got your mind prepared to accept it. Uh, where do you start? There are a number of, of helps out there uh, with study guides and question books and, and simple little devotional studies that will help take smaller pieces of that big pie and help break them down so that you as an individual can digest them a little bit at a time so that as that occurs, you can begin to add that and accept it and live by it. Ryan? You're going to have to, I'd say, in order to begin, you're going to have to approach Scripture with questions. You have to be willing to ask questions. And so many people, when they come to the Bible, they already have their mind made up what they believe. They approach Scripture with something preconceived, and they look through the words of the Bible in order to find what uh, they believe will prove it. 
And I heard somebody say, you can prove anything using the Bible. And what that means is if you're looking for justification for what you believe and, and you look hard enough, you, you can find a verse. That doesn't mean that you're going to correctly use that verse, but you can find a verse. So I'd say instead of coming to Scripture with your own preconceived notion uh, of what it says, ask questions. When Scripture says, uh, love your neighbor, when Scripture says, love your enemy, you say, well, what does that mean? And try to try to look through Scripture and, and try to find, in order to study things like that, try to find where the Bible supports itself. I wrote an article for the Somerville Seeker on this very subject when we did it last year, how to study the Bible, and I called it 10 Tips for Studying the Bible. Now, these are just how I study the Word of God. This is, and I'll tell you, though, the way I study the Word of God is vastly different from when I first started. And so you got to start somewhere. And I believe in 10 years, if I were to sit down and write this article again, it would be a completely different article in some ways. But what I wrote was first to read the text. Like you said, you, you got to open your Bible. you, you got to start somewhere, and you can't start studying if you don't open God's Word. And then, like Ryan said, you're going to have questions. So maybe with some of those questions, you do the following few tips. You compare different versions. Sometimes the old King James makes things a little harder to understand, whereas the new King James, the ESV, the ASV might simplify it for you and you read it. I believe especially for the ESV and the prophets, things are very easier, much easier to understand. So read it in another version and see if that clears some things up. If it still doesn't clear it up, ask questions and grab a commentary. Grab a study guide like you mentioned, Philip, and start to ask, okay, what can I do to answer this question? Now, I, I go would, ahead. I would caution with the commentary that since it is something man-made, you got to be careful. Yeah, it's just like eating a fish. There's probably some bones that you'll need to spit out. And that's exactly right. This is dangerous ground to tread upon, but if you're fortunate to find commentaries that are written by members of the Lord's Church or by people who are going to have more good than bad and you know where the bones are, it can be very beneficial to learn certain questions that you have, an that you have answers to questions you have. I don't want to talk about number four because we're going to talk about that in just a few moments, but number five, consider the context. Much damage has been done by people not considering the context of a passage that they're studying. And the danger of preaching or teaching is a person who takes the Bible out of context. They, they say this verse is going to be shoved in here, but it really doesn't belong there. You can do internet research, but then you need to go back and reread the text. You might have missed something. The Bible is, is like someone I heard the, a preacher once say, it's like someone trying to dip the ocean dry with a teaspoon. It's not going to happen, and so there's so much knowledge you have you can underline and highlight key portions. But number nine is all, what kind of Ryan mentioned a moment ago. Be willing to be corrected. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. Therefore, I need to look to someone who does, and God's Word can tell me everything I need to know to get to heaven. And then the final one is to just study often. And if I do those things and repeat, my studying becomes better. I get more out of what I'm studying and I've even noticed that it's very easy in an internet research to type in the name of a Bible subject you're wanting to do and add to it the words Christian Courier or Apologetics Press. And a lot of times, a great article will pop up on what you're trying to find written by members of the Lord's Church. And so if someone's wanting to know how can I study the Bible properly, 
I think the key word there is properly. Many people in our world study the Bible improperly. I would like to add to that. I think that that comment about using specific source sources, uh, being careful of your sources. If you can use faithful sources, sources by by folks that you you know you can trust, uh, you're going to find a whole lot more value in that. You're going to find a whole lot more truth in that, and it's going to be a whole lot easier than trying to weed through some of those things of people that you don't know who they are. Right. Uh, you know, using Apologetics Press, Christian Courier, so on and so forth, uh, is would be a whole lot safer, especially for someone just starting out. Right. Uh, than just doing a an average internet search because if if I put in an internet search, the first thing that's going to pop up is Wikipedia. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to use Wikipedia <laughs> right. for my biblical knowledge. Um, now, if I'm looking for a historical background, well, sure, there's probably some good information there. Uh, but when it comes to trying to study God's Word and find it, uh, the truth in it, it is very, very important to consider your source and where that information is coming from before uh, you delve into it, especially if you're new at it or if uh, your knowledge just isn't where you want it or think it needs to be in that specific area. Right. So, Ryan, you mentioned a moment ago, approach the Word of God with questions. When, when you're going to read something, be ready to ask questions. So what does someone do when they have those questions pop up? Because there's not a single person on this earth that's honest that can say, I read the Word of God and I understood everything. So what do they do when they inevitably get to that question that they have as they're reading? Well, you, you have to... If you're if you come to a question in the text, why would somebody do this? Why would God say say this? And, and you know, it, it, there are a lot of questions that we have. You have to keep reading. A lot of times, the text itself will explain itself, and you don't have to go very far for an explanation. Uh, read it a couple of times. If you want to know, well, this is a hard passage, what does this mean? Don't just read the verse, but read a couple of chapters before. Read a couple of chapters after. Read the whole book, because you may find the answer ten chapters before uh, already stated. You may find something relative or um, something relevant. Also, if you have questions and you're not sure of something, talk to other people about it, mm-hmm. because... Two viewpoints are better than one. And, you know, I may not necessarily even agree with somebody whose viewpoint I I ask, but it's good to see another viewpoint. And it's good to check and see if, well, am I approaching this logically or, uh, you know, am I just out in left field somewhere and and I need to be brought back uh, with some reasoning. So it helps to have other people that you trust, that you can, um, that, that you can send your, your thoughts to and, and get some, I would say, non-judgmental responses. Yeah, and for instance, if you're studying a subject like premillennialism, you kind of need to know what that doctrine teaches. Right. And so you're going to have to do some consultation with people who have either dealt with it in the Lord's Church and have, have no, you know, they know exactly what to do, or you need to read a Wikipedia article perhaps in that situation to figure out what does this teach, but then 
you then have to ask, now, how does the Bible defeat it? And you can then consult some ministers in that regard in the Word of God and other places that would be helpful to do that because if you're going to study the Bible, you're going to run into doctrine that people will try to teach about the Bible that's going to naturally give you questions as well. And you need, I, I agree with Ryan 100%, you need somebody that you can trust to help you work through some of that, biblically speaking, because if you don't, you might just guess, and guessing with the Word of God is dangerous. Philip, you had something you wanted to add? Yeah, um, I mentioned a moment ago logic and using being logical with your approach, and that is such an important factor that so many people in the world we live will overlook. Right. Um, you've got to have that logical approach. I mean, emotion's going to be involved. You can't remove that. It, it, it's a, it is a trait that we are given You know, when, when we're created. Um, so we have that emotion, but there is a sense of allowing emotion to carry me away. Um, when it comes to Bible study, if I do not try to find an even ground with the knowledge, the logical side, and the emotional side, I can gain all the knowledge that's there. But if I don't have an emotional uh, application to it, I'm not going to know how to use it. Right. But on the same hand, if I allow my study or my knowledge growth to be guided by my emotion and then I'll allow my emotion to take me to places that the text did not. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I think people are probably wondering, you know, picking up a copy of God's Word is obviously sufficient enough to save one soul. You know, reading through that, they, they will find what they need to do to be saved. However, growing in the nurture, you know, and doing the things that we need to do and spiritually maturing might require some outside sources as far as books written by secular people. And that might help you study the Word of God more effectively. So if I had to ask what type of free resources out there that you gentlemen might recommend, would you have any that you'd want to recommend? I know there are Bible programs like eSword. Ryan, would you you really do well with eSword. Would you talk a little bit about eSword and things of that nature? Well, it's not quite free, but... Um Oh yeah, they did. They did put a price on it recently, didn't they? I think it cost me ten dollars to get it on my iPad, which is almost free. It's cheap as free, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it it's a good Bible program. It does everything that I need. Um, I would say it's good to have a decent Bible lexicon. Bible lexicon. Um, you know, I love I love looking at the original language. And, but you don't have to have too in-depth of a knowledge of the language as long as you can do the research and, and learn, well, what does this word actually mean? Um, so it's good to have, and there are some decent free lexicons, um, Bible dictionaries. There are some uh, ways to find that stuff for free. You could also spend some money and find some really useful things as well. But find a good lexicon. There are plenty of, or there are a couple of good cheap programs. I'm a huge advocate of eSword, um, but you know it depends on what you want to spend right. when it comes to Bible programs. Philip, is there anything that you can think of that you want to add? Uh, you know, the only thing I would add would be a good concordance. Yeah, a good concordance, especially when uh, you think about some of the Bibles that you have, the digital versions and, and the ones that you can obtain free, will have the, the Strong's numbers accompanying the, the passages. 
I have found those to be very useful when I'm trying to find some information very quickly. Right. Um, I can look up that Strong's that Strong's number, and I can see the the information that you know that goes along helps explain a word. Maybe it's used in a way that. As I look at it, I can't really process it. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the definition of the the word and, and and being able to go back and have the information of what the original word meant, I don't have to know Greek. I don't have to, you know, to be able to do that to understand what it means. I've just got to have the resources to be able to backtrack it. Right. And a concordance and and as Ryan said, the lexicon, those are so beneficial. Uh, and and those, some of those are available for free. Um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, some of your Bible programs that you can download for free. I think I can't promise this, but I believe the Olive Tree Bible program is still available. And mm-hmm. with it, uh, at one point in time when I was using it, several you know, it's been a while, but it had the King James with and without Strong's available for free download. Hmm. Uh, so those are some options that are available. Some of your Bible programs, uh, I know. Uh, the one that I use is Accordance. There is a free version of it, uh, and King James comes with the free version. I think King James Strong's comes with it as a free mm-hmm. version. If it's not free, it's not, but maybe $5 or something right. in that area to have it added to. So, yeah, there's plenty of tools and resources out there, and I think consulting with someone who spends time in Bible study uh, would be a good way to get your hands on some of those resources. Ryan? Uh as far as the concordance, one of the things that I love to do uh, with when you're looking up what the words mean, uh, you can look at a lexicon, uh, you know, which is essentially a dictionary for what they say the meaning is. But the way they came to the meaning is they looked at how it was used throughout you know, the scripture and, and throughout other sources. So what you can do if you have a King James with Strong's numbers, for example, is you can find the word you're looking for and do a search for the, those Strong's numbers and see every place where a certain word is used in Scripture and then just read how the word is used. And you get a sense uh, of meaning there, and it really it really helps you. And that's, that's a fantastic tool to use, using a concordance like that. Well, as, as technology advances so do our study habits need to advance. And, you know, the way that Greek once was taught is somewhat, somewhat, and I emphasize the word word somewhat a third time, becoming obsolete because of the abilities of these new Bible software programs. However, if you don't have them and you can't afford them, you got to do something. And so these, these Logos programs that you can use, I mean, Logos, if you want to, can do everything you want to do with a Greek word. It can tell you how to pronounce it. It can tell you, like you mentioned a moment ago, where it's found, what tense it's in, all the things that you might need to do. And so in some ways, it's easier now to manage the Greek if you have a Logos program. If you don't, you got to figure something out because there are going to be some words that you need to know what they mean in the Greek because it gives you a deeper and better understanding and so you look at the Strong's, you look at the Concordances, you look at the Lexicons, and you, you find out, okay, that's what this means. Oh, here's where I find it. For instance, you know, in Galatians uh, 6, 1, where it says, restore such a one. The Bible has that word, which is the idea of mending something that is broken. And the word is found when Jesus finds the fishermen who were mending their nets. And the word is also found in the book of Hebrews, where it talks about being 
brought back and restored. And so when you talk about restoring something, it's mending something back together, almost like a broken bone is mended back together. And so without the knowledge of what that Greek word is, restored doesn't have the same meaning that it does once you learn that. And so when you think about Bible software programs that you can purchase, you can go with eSword, which I believe it was, as at one time it was $6 on MacBooks, and I think it's $10 on the App Store. I don't know if that's still true or not, but it's still a very cheap app compared to what it can do for you. And, of course, with anything, you have add-ons that you can buy in the eSword you know, store online, and you can add them, and you get a, you know, a ID number that you punch in, and then it shows up on your software program. But you could also get Accordance Lite, like you mentioned. I have Accordance. I also have Logos. Um, I paid a king's ransom for Logos, and so I, I really do like Logos and use it and appreciate it. Um, but not everybody wants to do that. But if you did, those those would definitely benefit and help you. But we have to remember the things that we talked about, which is. When you study God's Word, you are approaching God's throne and asking God to tell you what to do with your life. That's essentially what it means to study the Word of God, which is what we have to do. And so, any final comments at all from you two gentlemen in this episode before we close out? I think I would like to just mention uh, what is actually one of my favorite passages in the area of studying Bible knowledge. And it's, it's well known. I mean, it's nothing that anyone has not heard of. And second, you know, Second Timothy two fifteen, study to show yourself approved. Um, that idea of being approved—that's what this entire program has been about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't be you, well. Let me restate that: you're searching, you're wanting to be approved, and as verse fifteen says, by God, right? Study to show yourself approved by God, right? That's the approval that I seek, just as as a child seeks the approval of a parent. You know, we seek the approval of God. The only way I can do that is by diligently going through his word. Uh, So I diligently go through it to show myself approved so that I can be that workman that that needeth not be ashamed. Right. And he ends that with rightly dividing the word of truth. So I understand that I have to, that I have to divide it. I have to break it down into those pieces, but I've got to do it correctly. Right. which tells me there's a way to do it incorrectly. So, therefore, the diligence, the continual working through that is how I get that approval. Ryan, you have one final verse you want to look at? Well, since Philip went to a verse, I, I have to bring one up as well. I've always liked Psalm one nineteen one sixty. It says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever, which means that... Uh, it's not going away. Scripture, the Bible is not going away. It's not going to lose relevance. It's not going to, to find itself in need of an update. So I need to study it. I, I have to study it because it's going. it, it will remain. Uh, whatever happens to me, whatever happens to those around me that, you know, we, uh, Scripture says, you know, we're like grass. We, we, live for a little while and pass away, but God's Word lasts forever. Right. Therefore, study it, learn it, know it. Right. I heard the story once growing up of a man who played the piano for a living, and so he was doing one of his performances, and he played the piano, and when the performance ended, the whole crowd erupted in applause, but he didn't acknowledge them. 
He looked up for his master, the one who had taught him how to play the piano, his teacher. And only when he would applaud would he then address the crowd and focus upon them. And as I live in a life where everybody wants my attention, everybody's going to try to distract me, I need to remember to put my focus on the teacher and on the master and wait for his approval. And like you mentioned, to be approved by God. And his word is what approves me. His word is what makes me an ability to be approved because it teaches me how to be approved by God. It isn't ever going to fall away and pass away. And so these are things that are so beneficial for modern man to have. And as we look to have the Bible in our homes more, I promise our lives are better by having the word of God in them. No one that I know has ever truly meant or really even understood the word of God well when they say my life was worse when God became a part of it. God is just so wonderful and such a blessing that our lives are far better if he is a part of it. Is he a part of yours? If he's not, he can become a part of yours. You can study, you can learn what needs to be done, and you can do it. We'll have another podcast again soon, but until then, I hope we please God now so our eternity is far better.